This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the Word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now, please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome to Faith Moments. I'm Dina Marie, and we continue our weekly podcast to proclaim and to ponder our Sunday Mass readings. In the Lenten season, this fifth Sunday of Lent is really this pivotal time as we get closer to the time of Holy Week. And so after the fifth Sunday of Lent, we'll move into Palm Sunday, and that's the entrance into the time of Holy Week for those that are preparing for their confirmation and to receive First Holy Communion and for some of those to receive Holy Baptism at the Easter Vigil. The scrutinies continue and it's this really beautiful time in the church for the preparation to continue to grow deeper in individual journeys to Jesus Christ. I want to open this particular broadcast with a prayer, again, found in my companion prayers book. That is a beautiful prayer book from the Companions of St. Anthony. And in this time of Lent, it is a particular time where we reflect on the stations of the cross and we reflect on the sorrows in our life, particularly the sorrows that our Lord felt as he was preparing for his final mission of his sacrifice on the cross, the sorrows of our blessed mother. But I know all of us have sorrows, particularly in this world. We face the sorrow of war and violence. And so for the sorrows that you hold in your heart, we offer this prayer in time of sorrow in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father of all mercies and God of consolation, you love us eternally and transform the shadows of death into the dawn of life. Look upon our grief, be our refuge and comfort, so that our sadness and sorrow may turn into the light and peace of your presence. In dying, your son destroyed death. In rising, he restored life. Grant that the end of our earthly pilgrimage, we may be found in his company with our brothers and sisters. There you shall wipe away every tear. We ask this. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. This quote comes from St. Anthony of Padua. O God, source of all good, help us to do good so that we can present to you, who are all good, the offering of our actions and hope for a just reward. And let's get into the scriptures for today. Again, this fifth Sunday in Lent. The first reading comes from the book of Isaiah. 
This is chapter 43. Thus says the Lord, who opens a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who leads out chariots and horsemen, a powerful army, till they lie prostrate together, never to rise, snuffed out like a que- and quenched like a wick. Remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago consider not. See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the desert, I make a way. In the wasteland, rivers. Wild beasts honor me, jackals and ostriches. For I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for my chosen people to drink. The people whom I formed for myself, that they might announce my praise. The word of the Lord. Our psalm today is Psalm 126. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Our second reading comes from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have accepted the loss of all things, and I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, depending on faith to know him, and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It is not that I have already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity, but I continue my pursuit in hope that I may possess it, since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I, for my part, do not consider myself to have taken possession. Just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. The word 
of the Lord. Our gospel reading today on the fifth Sunday in Lent is from John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As always, the word speaks volumes so much in each of these words. I'll just go back to Isaiah to begin chapter 43. I like to think of this this series of, of scriptures that we have today about the promises of restoration and redemption and, and restoration to new life. Beautiful words. The people need a word and a message of hope in their time of exile, and they can be stuck as we can be stuck in the difficulties of the past, the dead ends of our past life, the difficulties, the, the problems that we've had in the past, the sins in the past, the darkness of our past. And in Isaiah, thus says the Lord, remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago, consider not. See, I am doing something anew. There's this looking forward, look ahead. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? There's this invitation. Don't get stuck in the past. We must learn from it. We must grow from it, but don't get stuck there in your time of slavery and being oppressed. I am doing something anew. The Lord promises in our lives, in this time, in the time of the people that Isaiah is talking to in that time, in the time of the people that he'll speak to in the future, I am doing something new. Do you not perceive it? Keep your eyes not on the past, not on 
the difficulties, but remember that the Lord promises something new. I love the visualization. If you can just imagine a desert, I don't know if any of you have lived in a desert. I've never lived in desert area in the state of Oregon, where I grew up and spent most of my life thus far. There are Eastern Oregon, it's, it's dry, there's lava rocks. And I know the sense of dry rockiness. Can you imagine rivers bursting forth through that? I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland. If you've ever just been parched, you've been doing a big hike and you're just so thirsty, you've been working, uh, maybe walking, bicycling for so long and you just thirst. And Jesus is that living water. And so be hopeful. What I glean from this reading in Isaiah is be hopeful in his promise. The promise of God can be trusted. Do you not perceive it? Beautiful question of hopefulness in our lives. Psalm 126 just summarizes this. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. And that's the, the people that we are called to be. We are called to be Easter people, people filled with joy. Yes, we are in the Lenten season. Yes, we're in this time of penance. And remember the sufferings and the sacrifice. We can never forget the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But that sacrifice is for a purpose and a reason. We are filled with joy. So remember that promise in the Psalms. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. I want to just point out one, one little phrase, because sometimes I've noticed, I was at two funerals recently, and sometimes in, in moments like a funeral, moments like uh, when we hear bad news, and maybe we're tempted not to cry. I don't want to show anybody my tears. And I've heard people comment about their tears. I don't have tears or I don't want to show tears, but those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. I really believe, and I really invite you brothers and sisters, that if you need to shed tears, shed tears. Those are tears that show that you're alive, that show that you're created in the image and likeness of God, that as we sow our tears, I believe so much that that releases, you know, what's going on in our lives. It could be a painful thing. It could be a sorrowful thing. It could be a joyful thing. And we just are shedding those tears of joy, you know, of, of witnessing the new life of birth of a new baby in your life of watching the sunrise or the sunset and just thinking, God, you made this for me, for me to experience this moment. I'm having a difficulty, but you're showing me something so beautiful, so awe-inspiring that I sow tears and they will reap rejoicing. Don't ever hide those tears. If you're in the middle of mass and you are just overwhelmed, looking up at that crucifix, and just saying, he died for me. He experienced that much humiliation for me. Yes, he did. And so let us flow those tears out. 
They are cleansing, they are healing, they're powerful witness of God's love and presence in our lives. And I think our culture shies away that you might be considered a weak if you're a tearful person. I don't believe so. I say shed those tears, sow those tears, and lift them up to the Lord and ask the Lord, what will you, what grace can I receive as I shed these tears? Is there a special grace of healing? that I may receive, that I can be an instrument of healing to someone else in my time of sorrow. St. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, once again, he has so many things to say, but the the closing of this particular section, uh, close to chapter chapter 3, verse 14, just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, this is really shadowing and mirroring what we hear from Isaiah. Consider not the things of long ago. Forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward, straining forward. You know, there's an effort to not be looking back, but looking forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal. We like to attain goals in, in, our, in our modern age. We're certainly those who are striving. We've been in March Madness, and I, I don't watch sports at all, but there's certainly those teams that you're rooting for to get to the goal. But we have a pursuit of a greater goal, the goal of eternal life, the prize of God's upward calling. Isn't that beautiful? God's upward calling is the prize. So many people get distracted of the prize of a, of a ring, championship ring, a blue ribbon, a title, an award. And we spend hours either watching somebody else get an award. It just amazes me. Uh, the, the award ceremonies that we even have today, they're so superficial and maybe people have worked hard to do certain things in the arts and sports, and, and, and those are good things. But we really, as Christians, to be called upon Lord, the Lord's upward calling, you know, that he's calling us out to something greater than a temporary reward. I continue my pursuit toward the goal because St. Paul says in the very beginning here, he says, I consider everything a loss because of a supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is the goal. That is what we are to attain. Wow. I continue my pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. And, and here are the things that St. Paul gives us. He says, depending on faith. So faith is important. Our faith in God and trusting in God is so important. The power of his resurrection is essential. And the sharing in his sufferings. So those sowing of tears, the sense of embracing our sufferings, embracing the cross, that is all being conformed to the death of Christ and in that we receive new life. I love it. Okay, the gospel reading. And boy, this has been depicted in a lot of different ways. But here we see Jesus back in the temple teaching. 
He's been doing this over the course of days. He goes early in the morning and he's teaching once again. And of course, the scene is that we are really stepping up on the Pharisees and the scribes, finding ways that they can arrest Jesus, that they can just get rid of him. He is causing too many problems. And so once again, they're going to set up another case to see how we can just get this Jesus to fumble up, to make a mistake of some sort so we can get a, do away with this guy. He is just causing problems in our area. And so what does he do? What do they do? They shame a woman. They're going to use, they're going to use a woman. They're going to use her and shame her and just bring about such humiliation in another person to gain their own self-enlightenment, their own righteousness. So I'm going to shame somebody else. How often do we see that in the world today where we shame other people? Oh, you aren't like this. You're not doing that. So we know the story. And I just want to go to what Jesus's response is. I, can you imagine, here's Jesus, and he earlier proclaimed, you know, that he was the living water in the temple. If you go back to the chapter beforehand, the messages of Jesus in the temple continue to reveal if you're listening, if your heart is open, I am the Messiah. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is with you. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. He's, he's continued to give these messages that he is. I'm the fulfillment of the prophecies. I am here. I am with you. And the Pharisees and the scribes, for the most part, will have nothing of it. And they resort to the shaming a woman caught in adultery. And they put her in the middle. How humiliating can you even imagine? I don't think we can imagine. But maybe some of us have been in such a humiliating situation in the midst of a group of people, whether it's a midst of people in your, in your family, in the midst of people that you work with, or maybe you serve with, and all of a sudden somebody's pointing out to you, you guilty one, you're the one responsible for this problem. You're the one who's responsible. And just the, the deep shame that this woman probably already feels because of her life. We don't know what's going on in her life, but somehow she was torn out of her home or a home, a place and thrown right in front of Jesus. And I think that's in the midst of the most difficult, horrible, embarrassing, shameful moments of our life. He comes in his mercy, in his mercy. And do we even deserve his mercy? But Jesus reminded us in his actions that we're not to stone the sinner. 
We want to stone those sins. We want to detach from those sins. We want to realize that those sins, those actions, those behaviors that we're participating in, maybe willingly, maybe forcibly, maybe we're being forced into a sinful behavior by somebody else. But no matter how it is that we are sinning, the invitation is to repent and to believe in the gospel, to turn away from that past, to realize that that past is destroying, is distorting my relationship with myself. I'm destroying the relationship with my identity. If I am, and I am as a child of God created in the image and likeness of God in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if I'm distorting that, if that is disordered, and how I see myself in my body, that's a sin. And I need to have that redeemed. Also, the distortion of how I see others. If I want to oppress others, if I want to objectify others and destroy others and who they are, that's another sin against other. And of course, all of those sins are skin, sins against God my relationship with God, there's some disorder. There's some, something that is disordering that relationship. And so Jesus is looking to restore those relationships, to restoring our identity, restoring our relationship with one another as brothers and sisters, and particularly restoring our relationship with God, a loving God. Like we saw last week in the example of the, the merciful father, that's our heavenly father, always looking on the horizon for us to come back. I, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm waiting for you. And as soon as I see your eyes turn to mine, I'm rushing to you with that divine mercy. He is coming to you. And so Jesus says, does anyone condemn you here? They all left. They all left. See, Jesus standing in the truth and the Pharisees who are accusers, who are standing in sin, they're standing in this false accusation. They're, they're wanting to do something to twist and contort the message of God. But Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. And I'm going to send you to go home, to go. But from now on, do not sin anymore. To recognize that you have encountered the merciful God, a redeeming God, a God who is full of restoration, of living water, of life, that he is giving another chance. You know, I am doing something new. See, there's something new that this woman experienced. She experienced compassion. She experienced love. She didn't experience shame or some kind of objectification, but she was treated differently, like a human being should be treated. I am bringing you something new. How did she live her life after that? We don't know. But what matters is how will you live your life after you encounter the mercy of God? When we don't deserve it, we don't merit it, but it's freely given 
if we receive it and we recognize, yeah, I have been in a sinful situation and I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. And I can't do this alone. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust in you. I need something more than my own ability to move away from this sinfulness. I need the help of the Lord. I need the help of God's grace. By the grace of God, there go I. By God's grace, we can change. We can let go and detach from our sins. And that's the good news. I want to share with you this closing prayer. I've been, I've been, I've been putting out this the chaplet of divine mercy, and it's such a beautiful prayer. But there's a closing prayer that can be prayed at the chaplet of divine mercy, and it is this. It comes from the diary of Saint Faustina. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us, that in difficult moments, we might not despair, nor become despondent, but with great confidence, submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. Amen. Have a blessed fifth week of Lent. May God give you peace. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie. Reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.